everyone. This is Alina and it's time for another story from my travels. Welcome back to Traveling Inside Out, a podcast about exploring the world within and out. This time I should talk about Uruguay. I haven't, if I remember correctly, I haven't necessarily talked specifically about Uruguay. Maybe I, I have mentioned it in the past. Uh, so let's start with the beginning and simply say that I was there uh, in Uruguay for probably a month and a half, more or less, um, in November, like end of October, November and beginning of December of 2017. Time is passing, man. <laughs> Can't believe it. It's almost two years since I started my trip in South America. That's nuts how the time is passing. Um, so I want to say from the beginning that that's where my plans kind of stop. So the way that I actually managed to organize my trip through South America, which was planned to be for one year, and in total it was for around eight months, was that I, I kind of had the first month figured out, but then after that I said that I'm just going to see how it's going to go, especially since, it's a, since I was sure I'm going to take buses or maybe I'm going to try hitchhiking and so on. So arriving in Montevideo, which is the capital of the country, uh, was also the moment when my plans like stopped. Like I didn't have anything else uh, booked, anything else prepared, so and so on. So <clears throat> there are a lot of things to say about Uruguay, and probably I'm going to get back to this uh, story to get more into little stories, like to detailed stories. But I just want basically to talk more about us in overview. And first and foremost, a lot of people ask me, why did you want to go to Uruguay? I have to be honest and say the first and main reason was because I knew someone living there. Um, so, uh, of course, in my South American trip, I tried my best to meet people that I already knew. Not only that, but um, she was kindly enough to put up with me and host me for quite a, quite a bit, I would say. So, um, of course, that this is the, the main reason, but that was not uh, the only reason. The other reason was that I literally fell in love with Uruguay when I was searching. It seemed, such, um, it seemed like a country that wasn't explored enough. Well... To be, to be completely honest, uh, when, you, when I refer to Uruguay, like before going to Uruguay, I thought that the country is not explored enough. But then I went to Paraguay and then I was like, oh, this is a country that has been explored. <laughs> not Uruguay. Uruguay is still <laughs> okay. Um, and it had a lot of beautiful places. I'm saying a lot. It has... Um, it has a lot of, uh, like, of course, so the Uru Uruguayan coast is famous for different type of uh, beaches because 
it's basically um it's something that probably it's all over the world but i don't know when you have depending on the target depending on who you are you can choose a different play so if you are like a hippie kind of a thing and you're okay with staying in a like a fish village then you should totally go to cabo bologna if you are more into surfing or something like this, you should go to Punta del Diablo. If you want to have, I think it was called like Miami of South America or something, that was Punta del Este, which is quite an expensive place. And it is said that there are a lot of um, stars, like Hollywood stars, who are coming there for their escaping winter and enjoying the summer in Uruguay. Um, unfortunately, I do have to say that even though I stayed such a long period of time, I was not able to go to explore more of the middle of the country or something like that, even though it was on my list. But life happened and I didn't uh, go. Now, I want to talk about, so first of all, about the prices. And this was one of the biggest shocks because I was coming from Rio de Janeiro in Sao Paulo. And after that, I traveled to Montevideo. So basically, I went to the most expensive cities and then I came to one of the most expensive countries in South America. So <laughs> the shocking prices, which... Again, I was coming from Iceland, so nothing was more expensive than in Iceland, but they were way more expensive than I was, re I was ready for. And so it was weird because it was the first country, and, and I felt like I'm going to waste all my money on this, and uh, I was scared, I was panicking. It was the beginning of a long journey in which I learned a lot about how to budget my uh, money, how to like, deal with things that are not expected, and so on. And one of the first lessons that I want to talk about is that I got my GoPro stolen. It, it was so weird. So because I, everybody told me that I should pay extra attention when I'm going to Brazil, especially in Rio de Janeiro, because everybody's going to try to steal stuff from me and so on. And I was always very careful and so on in such a way that when I got to Uruguay, I kind of relaxed and to be completely honest, I really do want to know in what country in this world you forget your GoPro um, on a sidewalk close to the ocean and then you go there half an hour later and you still find. Like, okay, let's be honest about this. Uh, it was 100% my fault because I had too many things. I had my tablet, I had my camera and I had my GoPro. And I wanted to record the sunset, so I, I, I wanted to make like a... I was taking pictures with my camera and I was recording a video with my GoPro. And then when I left, I forgot about the GoPro and I just left. So because of that, it sucked. But um, I had a traveling insurance, which was insurance if if something gets stolen or something like that now i have to say that i stretched a little bit the truth i'm not gonna I, like it's already done so <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying that people should do this but honestly i was like i'm not gonna freaking admit that i left it behind 
I'm just going to tell them that it got stolen from me and I don't know when, which wasn't, technically wasn't a lie. It did got stolen from me and I don't necessarily know when, just that it happened because I left it behind. So what I decided to do was because I had a traveling insurance in order to get my money on the product, I had to get... um, how do you call like a paper from the police office or something in which is me stating that I lost and tra la la tra la la whatever. So basically, I went there by myself and let me tell you that it was beginning of my trip, so my Spanish was very like short sentences and everything, <laughs> or I wouldn't I would start a sentence and I wouldn't know how to end it or something like that. And um. <clears throat> I was just not patient enough to wait for my friend to help me out. And because I was kind of going uh, close by a police office, I decided to go in. I was so scared. It looked like I didn't know. Like, I, I, I felt so lost. And I didn't even know. I had to Google. Or I, I think I asked someone. I think I asked someone, like, how do I say they stole this? Like, I didn't know how to say steal in Spanish like I didn't know that and I think I asked probably asked my friend like how do I say this in Spanish and I went there and I just basically said in a very basic Spanish they stole my camera basically that's all I said that all I said and there was a there were like different people that they were just walking around me and so on and then someone I was like can I like I didn't know there was not an office or like a information point or anything like that. So there were only closed doors and what it seems like an actual office office. So I was like, I don't know. Like, where can I go and ask? Like, I don't, <laughs> I've never done that. Like, not, I don't know. I think I've done it once in Romania when once again, I forgot my luggage in the train. And by the time I went back, there was nothing left. I think that that was in high school years, probably. Um, the only time when I went into a, like, you know, to make a reclamation or to say that my things got stolen. So it's not that I have experience in this in Romania or in any other, like, I don't know how, what to do in English or in Romanian speaking, let alone in a Spanish. And it wasn't, that, wasn't just the Spanish, it was also, I'm going to um, make you remark, talk about the language a bit later. Let me finish this little story. So, finally, I, I got to ask, because I was saying, a person, like, because he asked me what's wrong with me, and, like, they stole my camera. As I was saying, you know, that is in a very, very basic Spanish. And he was like, okay, we need a translator for her. Um, she's an American citizen. Uh, you need to wait here, and somebody will come and take care of you, and so on. I wanted he said like she told me what language and I was like English is fine, and then he's like because you're an American citizen and I'm like I'm not from United States and he's like where are you from and I'm like Romania. And then he looked at me, and then no translator came. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can imagine, I had to fill in um paper in which I had to describe what 
happen? Well, <laughs> how do I do that in Spanish if I don't know how to speak Spanish? <laughs> so I tried to my best capabilities to explain in Spanish what happened. Also remembering that I was kind of improvising a scenario. I was... So basically what I said was that I uh, had my camera with me and then I took the bus to go home. And when I got home, I didn't have the camera with me anymore. So I'm not sure what happened, when it happened. I just know that I took some pictures with sunset and then I got home and then I went back to the place and there was nothing there and so on. This is the thing that I said, which was not completely untrue. Because I didn't realize that I don't have the camera anymore up until I got home. So that was not a lie. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> wherever. It doesn't matter anymore. The point was like, how am I going to explain this in Spanish? And she was writing in Spanish and she was um, like trying to help me. And I was trying to explain to them, like, if they tell me in Spanish, the chances are that I understand. It's just that I don't know how to say this. So finally... I read the declaration, basically. I signed it. And, um, of course, yeah, they were saying to me that there are little chances. And I'm like, I don't give up. Like, I don't care that you're not going to find my GoPro. For me, it was like, I need the insurance. And I'm probably going to be able to get the money from the insurance. And then there's that. So... Uh, Long story short, I mean, it was quite, quite long. So, yes, finally I applied for the insurance. They gave me way less than I thought, but also it was, a, it was an old camera, so it was an old GoPro. So basically, um, I got some of the money back, which is amazing. The problem was that I was not able to buy a GoPro because in South America, like all the... IT stuff are very expensive. And I've even went, in case that anyone is interested, if you ever go to South America, it is considered that in Punta Arena, which is in Chile, um, they have, they are known for having a humongous place where uh, people are selling uh, things brought from abroad. And it was supposedly going to be the cheapest place in the whole South America, but it was still too expensive for my uh, pocket. So I decided not to buy another GoPro. And it, it was really bad because it was literally um, like I was in my first month in South America and I already lost them. Now, the thing is that by the end of my trip, I lost way more things and I got my the other camera broken. So. Things got only worse when it comes to things that I own. Things that, like, yeah, breaking up. So, so um, coming from these two people, <clears throat> I do have to say that Uruguayos, how they are calling them, um, they are one of the most chill people in South America. They also see themselves like Canadians, and Argentinians being the Americans. And I, I was told this not once, but a lot of times, that they then see themselves a bit more relaxed and while Argentinians are very noisy and a lot of, uh, I don't know, like, I, 
doesn't matter. You know what I mean. I, I think everybody knows what I mean when it's the comparison between Canada and United States when it comes to people. And you need to know three main things when you go to, uh, to Uruguay. The one is that they really, for them, football is really, 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 really important. And it's not like, um, yeah, we like this, like, no. When it was like 100 years or something like that since their independence or something, I don't, I don't remember, they build a football stadium. While in other countries, they build like a church or I don't know what other things. And they were like, no, this is our religion. Um, everybody drinks mate. Okay, maybe two people, the whole country. <laughs> But you will see people drinking, and for those who don't know, mate is a special drink, which, if I'm calling it tea, they, for some of them, it feels offensive. But for me, the idea of tea is when you infuse dried leaves. That's the definition of a tea for me. However, um, Yerba mate, which is not tea and not coffee, it's somewhere in between. So it's, let's just call it a hot drink that they drink every single, like every day, a lot of days, like all the time. What I don't like is that it's really hot, but like really hot. And they drink it from a special straw, which is a metal straw, which works my whole being <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> And this is why I cannot drink it. Um, and then the third thing is WhatsApp. Everybody's WhatsApping all the time. Texting or sending voice messages, mostly voice messages. And even in business-wise, uh, even business-wise, the number that is provided is through WhatsApp. Everything is... Um, the capital, so when I went there, it was springtime because I was saying it was November, it was springtime. So I went there before uh, the high season starting, which was amazing and not. In, it was amazing because it was not that um, crowded, but it was not that amazing because in, at least in, in some places, there was literally like one or two hostels open and the rest of it would be just people preparing their summer houses or straight up closed. So um, it depends on what you want and what you expect and so on. But, um, and it also depends on your budget because it's way cheaper outside of the high season. But Montevideo seemed like a really, really beautiful, small capital. I didn't even seem like it is a, like it, this is the capital city of a country. It felt so cute with, um, with all the blossom uh, trees and all. And it smelled so nice. And as I was saying, it wasn't too crowded. Um, the, sea, the ocean or the river or whatever you want to call it, um, it's not that clean. But other than that, it was such a beautiful, beautiful city. It had um, the bus. The buses are. I love the fact that they had, like they have. First, first of all, they had Uber, which is an amazing thing. Um, 
And by the time I was leaving, I got an email from Uber that they were able to pay cash, which was like, what? I don't get what? Okay. Then um, the bus transportation, it was very difficult for me to understand because the same number sometimes would go one way, the other times would go another way. It was, they have an app or more than one that you can use, which was amazing. But then again, if I didn't know the name of the bus stations, it was still against me, basically. And even when I asked people, people would still, like, wouldn't know where I'm going or what I want to do. It was just difficult for me. And this is why I took the bus wrongly for quite a few times. Um, okay, so as I was saying, people are really, really, really nice. And I've realized that before actually traveling to Uruguay, because I started um, having a couch surfing account before starting with traveling to South America. Basically, I started like probably like eight months before because I was trying to, okay, let me talk with some people. Let me see what's happening and so on. And I've got my first post before actually leaving Iceland. And he was really kind. We were talking like, I think we were kind of, I mean, he was using Google Translate. And the bad thing was that he didn't know that up until I got to his place. And he had, he lived somewhere on the way to the places where I wanted to go outside. It was somewhere in the middle of, um, uh, of the country of uh, not the middle of the country, like on the coast, kind of, so, somehow close to the coast, but not directly on the coast. And I was there for two nights. And it was the first time when I went, that, that, that was my first couch surfing host. And it was so weird because even though I talked with him for, I don't know how long, I didn't know exactly the dates when I'm going to be there. I just knew the month like I was like for sure I'm gonna be November there but I don't know when exactly so by the time I got there he had other three uh guests other three one of them was his girlfriend probably and the other two were um I think from France or something and they were speaking in Spanish and in French, and it was weird. It was a weird experience because I slept on a mattress in the kind of on the hallway, and it it's it was really weird. But he was the kindest person. He was so nice. He was trying his best. He didn't know that I understand Spanish, so he was always trying to talk to me through someone else. And then I was like, I understand. I just cannot talk, but I understand most of the things that you're telling me. Because as I was saying, in Uruguay, they are, the way that they are pronouncing the words are a bit different than the, the way that people in Spain would pronounce them. So, um, yes, from, from that, I want to mention, oh, I wrote, I want to mention the language, right? Because I just mentioned it. Um, not only that, the, the people were talking really fast, which is normal. Everybody talks really fast in their native language. Um, the fact that they were pronouncing the words differently, 
would be really weird because I would be so confused in the beginning. I was like, how come that I can read the language, but when they are talking, I can't get like half of what they're saying. Because I'm so confused. And then little by little, I started to understand what are the letters that they are reading differently. Like for example, if you would like, if you would want to say chicken in Spanish, normally you will say pollo or polo, depending on okay. But they were saying pollo, so you can imagine coming from pollo or polio or something like that, coming to pollo. Then I'll be like, I don't know what that is. Like I'm sorry, but it's nothing that I can imagine. Like I don't know what it is. So um, this is why. In my month there, it was quite difficult for me to talk, especially because being at my friend's place, I was speaking with her in English, and I was still very shy and very scared to speak my little Spanish that I knew because I felt like I'm just being judged because I don't know enough, and oh, I felt really, really, really weird about it. So it took me uh, the next month in Argentina to actually start speaking because I had to, because people were like, I don't know English, so you tell me what you want to tell me. If not, okay, we're not going to talk. Um, so I did, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, so I went to Punta del Este. I, I went to Piriapolis. I went to Cabo Polonio. I went to Punta del, uh, I already said that, uh, Punta del Diablo. And I was planning to go to Rocha, if I remember, and there was one more. Uh, don't remember, but I didn't go, unfortunately, because I've done some bad decisions as well when I was there that I'm not going to get into. But um, so because of that, basically, I didn't have uh, the time that I thought that I'm going to. But what else I want to say is I would really see myself going back to Uruguay to explore more of the country. And maybe this time I would actually hire a car and drive by myself uh, through the country. And talking about that, I do have to mention that I've, it was also the first South American country where I tried hitchhiking just because I was told that it's pretty safe. And indeed, I was actually pretty safe. Um, the buses were, I think, quite expensive, if I remember correctly. I took the bus as well, but um, they are not that reliable if, reliable, if I remember correctly. And so hitchhiking is safe. It was safe. I was hitchhiking by myself. I've done it more than once. Um, even though in one of the one of the times of, uh, the man that was driving, he was keep touching my knee, and I felt really awkward about it. But he didn't do more than that, and he was the way that he was doing it. I was like, I'm not even sure if he's just being plain stupid or he's just being very smart. Like, it's one of those two, and I'm like, I'm so confused about the way that he's doing the wrong thing that I'm not sure if he's like, is he tricking me or he's just plain stupid and he doesn't understand that it's not okay. Um, but as I was saying, and of course they don't expect money at all. And I, I'm, um, I also went, I didn't went camping, even though I, I thought I'm going to, but I did buy 
like most of my camping gear for South America, I bought it in Montevideo, which the thing is like this. I didn't know what's worse. Should it be worse to buy it in Uruguay, which I know it is an expensive country, or in Patagonia, which it is one of the most expensive places in South America, like most expensive regions. So I was like, I, I'm not sure. So then I decided to, to do that there. I've lost a lot of money on, I waste, not waste, I invested a lot of money in my camping gear. And then I've also invested a lot of money in sending my gear away, <laughs> like from there to, I, I was in Paraguay when I sent it to New York. And then from New York, I took it with me in the plane to Iceland. And then from Iceland, I sent it again by post to Romania. So it was a lot of money. But the way that I've done it, I still don't know. I still don't know how else I could have done it because I've started my trip in New York and, in, and it was like somewhere. It's like, I don't know how people can uh, pack for four different seasons for an extensive kind of a trip in which they also want to camp, but they also don't want to camp. So... How do you pack for that? Especially if you don't, if you plan to hitchhike your way around uh, a region. So I've done the best that I could, but it was really difficult and it was really hard. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to, I probably, I, next time when I'm going to talk about Uruguay, I'm going to talk more about the actual places that I visited. But for those interested, I have recently just made a short little video about my experience in Uruguay. I'm trying to do a short little video for every country in South America that I visited. Maybe also for every country that I actually visited in case that I have enough footage. I might not because some of the countries, like I visited them like 10 years ago and I really don't know how much I recorded back then. Uh, or maybe I recorded more. I don't know. Some of the things I also lost because each happened, like I lost uh, like three months out of four months of staying in Turkey, for example. So a lot of this kind of stuff. This concludes today's episode. If you like it, don't forget don't <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to Traveling Inside Out on any podcast platform you are listening my podcast on 